Blog Talk Radio. that loves you and I'm I can still say now it is a podcast with more celebrities than the last inauguration Uh, I am your host cruise director spiritual advisor and groove mistress Madam Perry but you know what you can call me Jen Jennifer JP I'm just happy to have you here and I am so grateful to everybody who's uh, subscribed you know you can subscribe on on Blog Talk Radio, you get to hear the show live, and you get news first and uh, news about the guest. And you can also call in and talk to the guest during the show if you like. Uh, but the afterwards, about an hour or two after the show, you can also catch the replay, and they're still free. You can download it or just listen still on Blog Talk Radio, Apple, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio podcast. Just wherever your heart desires, no matter what you're doing. And uh, also thanks to people that have been subscribing, as well as leaving nice reviews on um, on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. Some people have left some very, uh, very nice reviews about the shows. They like the fact that uh, a couple of them said they like the fact that sometimes a guest is somebody they know, like you know, guitarist Lita Ford. Or someone, or uh, we had saxophonist Dave Koz on recently, Arden Marine, actress from Mad TV, and um, and right now she's on Insatiable on Netflix. We had her on, and then they say sometimes it's somebody they've never heard of, you know, maybe an author that's new to them, or some anthrozoologist or whatever zoologist, <laughs> and uh, and that people like the the variety of uh, people they do and don't know, and. Uh, you know, I tend to find my listeners, you are all so smart and clever and have such a wide uh, event horizon, knowledge horizon, and a wide range of interests that uh, it's exciting for me and kind of keeps me, you know, it keeps me excited about finding or inviting other guests for you. And uh, so if there's anybody else you want to hear, just let me know. And, of course, you know, if you want to call in, the number six four six seven one six nine nine two two. Toll-free call in the continental U.S. Or if you're one of those day jobs or whatever or night jobs where you can't make a call or you're someplace you got to be quiet, you can always send a message for the guest to me through Facebook on Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Maudette Perry, and I'll be happy to share that with the guest. Um, let's see, there were some other things. Oh, yeah. So, like I said, we had Dave Cos, and don't forget his, his new album, um, A New Day. It's got a lot of, uh, there's not a clunker on it. There's a lot of great artists on there with him. Also, uh, Jen Lancaster was here talking about her newest book, Welcome to the United States of America. It's a great book. And uh, let's see, coming up soon, tomorrow night, Lisa Smart, she, uh, we were hoping she'd be here a few weeks ago, but Lisa Smart is going to be here, poet, linguist, and her book is about the final words of people who are dying. 
and you pay attention, they may sound like nonsense, but they're really not. Wednesday, we have music promoter and author Graham Slater from England, and uh, his brand new book is I Will Survive. He'll be here Wednesday night. The next Monday, uh, I have Jerry Mitchell. Jerry Mitchell is a journalist from uh, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, and anyway, He's a journalist, and back in the 80s, after he saw the film Mississippi Burning, he began digging around um, trying to get information on some of the people who, like the people responsible for the killing of Medgar Evers, uh, Vernon Dahmer, uh, three civil rights uh, workers, and uh, the, the four young girls that were killed in a church bombing in Alabama, and he <laughs> he put his life at risk and uh, scared his wife a lot, but he worked on these cases until he was able to help, and with the help of the district attorneys and the prosecutors, to uh, get some people behind bars that never thought they'd be behind bars for their crimes. So his book is Race Against Time, and again, he'll be here on the 30th. Also, we have Herbie Pilato, who has written a book on uh, Mary Tyler Moore. So we've got lots and lots of people coming soon. Very exciting, a lot of fun. Am I the luckiest gal or what? But tonight, you know, um, everybody, I think most of us have one friend that we've kept all our lives from childhood or whatever. My best friend, Patty, we met because we were neighbors. Uh, We were five and six years old when I moved into the neighborhood. And we've been friends ever since. But one of the things we loved the most, you know, when you live across the street, you're the best friends, you live in each other's homes. And we loved science fiction. We loved Star Trek and uh, Twilight Zone. We loved Man from Uncle. <laughs> Not science fiction, but pretty cool to us, you know, that kind of early spy stuff in the 60s. And uh, still love, always love science fiction. And tonight, my guest, I am so thrilled to have him. He's a publisher, he's an author. Fascinating man. Uh, so let me just introduce him, Zigzag Claiborne. Welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. Well, thank you for having me. You know, I've never been interviewed by a groove mistress before, so you know, twenty twenty <laughs> is already looking up. Well, you know, I love that. <laughs> we, I had a jazz band for years, and we did a lot of stuff. We did a lot of corporate gigs or different things, and and uh, when we switch our music, we'd start off they want like kind of easy before dinner for a corporate thing, and then pick up the pace and dance. So at first we just said you know it was kind of like a mellow uh, jazz band, like uh, doing some Lambert Hendrix and Ross stuff or some vocal jazz, and then. Later, when we pick it up, you know, I'd say, <laughs> you know, this is the groove mistress in my band, Baby Daddy. And, you know, of course, people aren't listening to you then, but <laughs> they're just happy and having a good time. And we're happy because it's corporate, so we'll get paid. And, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you got you got to have the groove. And I know you do. Oh, and once, once for a long time, I had a keyboard player who worked in a band called uh, Original P. Do you know what Original P is? I'm afraid to even guess. Tell me, please. Yeah, that's a good idea. Now, once I said that, I thought, you know, I, if somebody asked me, I would not want to guess. Um, Bootsy and um, George Clinton, when they split off, one had, uh, uh, let's see, Original P, 
and the other one, I forget what they call them, from Parliament Funkadelic. So one was Original P, and the other one was, um, I forget the name of that. But uh, but anyway, the keyboard player for them stayed with me. So that was a lot of uh, fun because sometimes, especially if we were doing just duet gigs, he and I, you know, he would throw some surprises on me, like we'd get ready to do a song like Autumn Leaves. And you know how those guys are in that band, the all those uh, funkadelic people? Oh, yeah, it's all overlapping. It's all weave in and out, yeah. Yeah, and they're wild. They're they're madly creative, and they're magnif. They're extraordinary musicians and madly creative. So just as we get ready to start a song, and I'd have the mic, and he'd start to play the intro, and he'd say, "And ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a real treat tonight because Jennifer Perry is going to sing Autumn Leaves." And then right before I was supposed to start, he'd say, "In French." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that keeps you on your toes. Yeah, yeah, especially since I didn't know it in French. So I faked it all the way through to the very last uh, very last line. And then I was trying to find something to fit a certain number of uh, cons- you know, syllables, and I came up with Frere Jacques, and that's when it was blown. Then people started laughing. But at least I carried it to the end, almost. And that's what's important. <laughs> okay, but enough about me. Now that you know where you are and what's going on here, and um, and I also mentioned that because you have a brand new book. Afro puffs are the antenna of the universe. Fantastic title. And you know it, that owes a lot to the, the George Clinton era and Tootsie. And, and I mean, I grew up with them, so I, factors into almost everything I do, especially funky music. Yeah, I noticed, but you have a pretty wide range of, of uh, musical taste, too, because I noticed in Afro Puffs of the Intent of the Universe, as well as the book before that, The Brothers Jet String, the vibe then, you give us a playlist, a soundtrack. Yes, I wanted to do something a little fun with, the, with Afro Puffs. I've never done an, an actual soundtrack for a book before, so this time every song that I list at the beginning of the book, not all of them appear in the book, but a lot of them are kind of mentioned. But it also gives you the, you know, the feel of a of a movie soundtrack, but just for a book. You know, I like that so much because, you know, sometimes there are certain songs that you can associate. Um, sometimes people will talk about maybe certain food that maybe it's a character in a book eats, that they think about that all the way through the book, or if they see the food again, they think about it, or certain music or sounds. And when you put that on there, I thought, oh, this is genius. And you've got um, a pretty – before we talk about what the book is about, the um, the set list has a little bit of everybody. You've got uh, David Bowie, Prince, uh, Kate Bush. Talking Heads, Wendy and Lisa, Black Eyed Peas. I mean, you've got a great variety. Liv Warfield, Funkadelic. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, when it comes to music, if, if you don't have variety, you are only hearing one note out of an entire symphony. So, I mean, I grew up with all kinds of music, and every song that I listed there is a different mood and a, and a different emotional tone. So there's just no way I couldn't include all those people in this in this book. And I, mean, I only wish that I could have 
gotten the rights to actually have recorded snippets of each one for the, for like the audio book, but we'll, we'll wait a few years for that. <laughs> yeah, wait a few years and let somebody else pay for that too, <laughs> if you can. There we go. <laughs> Do the, what's it called, the OPM, the other people's money? Let somebody else pay for it, exactly. you know, for the movie. But, yes, it's a great uh, thing because I can think of songs um, like some, the reading one of the uh, – one of the Robert Heinlein books, I think it was Friday. I remember it was an artificial intelligence uh, creature, Friday Foster. And I was listening to Heaven 17 um, a lot then. And so I still think about mm-hmm. that. Which, and, uh, yeah, with certain things you, you, you pair with it. Um, so tell us about Afro Puffs are the antenna of the universe because these are characters you're, you're crazy about. You know, you want to just... You want to know them. You want to be their best friend. But they're, but there's a tough crew. It, they're a tough crew, but I, I love how you describe them because it is you do kind of want to be their best friend. They're 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 having these wild adventures, but at the same time, they're people who are sitting down playing cards, cracking jokes on each other, and and having a good time. Which you know, I I really wanted this book to come out this year for that reason, that having a good time reason. Because we, I mean, this this year has been every disaster movie that ever existed all packed oh. into these eleven months. So I, we need that 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 tension release of just having some fun with some good people. Now these people in this book happen to be trying to save the world at the same time, so you know, they've got a, you know full itinerary, but they still stop and have fun with the reader. Yeah, because you can tell what they're doing is is, is serious. It's, it's it's as serious as it gets, uh, dead serious. But then again, they you know they they know how to keep that that edge of humor. Because otherwise, you would just say, "Why bother?" You know, it's just all too too much, too hard. But they're hard workers. They're they're smart, but they can be smart ass too. So, <laughs> which I think. Very. I think that keeps everybody energized. So if you would, since this, the book, um, the publishing date, is is it out yet or does it come out in December? Officially it comes out December 1st, but, you know, the cat's out of the bag. It, it's already out there. Oh, okay. You can actually order it now, and, and it will be delivered to your house. It's not out in ebook yet, but that will be very soon. Okay. So let's, can we start with uh, some of the characters, like the captain? Desiree. Captain Desiree Kicho. She is yeah. one of my favorite characters because she is she comes off as no nonsense, but she's really a goofball at heart. And her closest friends and, and colleagues know this. So they know exactly how to kind of rib her when necessary and break her out of that, you know, rigid captain stance. Mm-hmm. And and in the first book, Leviathan, she was uh, she wasn't a she was more of a supporting character there. But I always knew, even at the end of Leviathan, if, if you get that book, you see that I'd already intended to make her the lead in the next book, because there was just something about Desiree that said if the world is going to be saved once and for all, she's the one that's going to do it, yeah. and she's going to do it just because. If you piss off a woman enough, she's going to change the world. <laughs> you know, I've got to read this, this sentence about you that I found. Um, 
It's on the website website blackgate.com and it's where you interview uh the 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 authors of another book Sinister Quartet. Lovely book. But the person writing this says, "In the spirit of fun then, we approached the rollickingly magnificent Zigzag Claiborne, who probably has the most fun on page of any writer I know. <laughs> and I live with Carlos Hernandez. Okay, so I confess it's a toss-up. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's C.S.E. Cooney, who's one of the, my favorite writers out there, and her husband, Carlos Hernandez, great writer. And that's something, when we, when we met, for the first time, and I forget what kind it was. It might have been in Boston at Boston, but there was just this sense of being in a playground together, that mm-hmm. sense of fun. And, you know, I gravitate to writers like that who who are just enraptured by what they're doing. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a, a fun com- comedic book because you can have fun writing serious stuff too. It's just that sense of, of exploration and, you know, let's, what, what's going to happen next? I don't know, but let's find out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a lot of that in Afropus. <laughs> yeah, and just be just to be sure, you know, when um, when I first learned about the book, because our friend uh, Rebecca McFarlane-Kyle, uh, who introduced me to your work, and, you know, if, if Becky says, check this out, I waste no time. <laughs> Becky, you. And, great. Shout out to Becky. Okay, I'm going to tell her, Becky, we're giving you a, sh- we're shouting out to you now. Um, so, yeah, everything she says, I, I do, I check out, I listen, I read, and I am always glad I didn't think of you. Know, where, how did I live without this? Um, anyways, when she was telling me about, I started to check, I thought, oh, well, what a, oh, what a cute title, I love it. And, uh, then, before I started reading the book, I thought, okay, see, I've got a, most people who have listened to the show, they know I've got this best friend forever and ever, and that my best friend one day decided that when she found out that both her kids were each with their partners going to give her a grandchild within a couple of months of each other, uh, she recruited me to be the other grandmother because she said, you know, I'm not married. I can't do this alone. I need another grandmother. And I said, I ain't, No. Why me? <laughs> I don't have kids. What do I know? You know how people think if you don't have kids, you don't know what you're talking about? Well, mm-hmm. not her. She decided that I was the other grandmother, so the kids called, all called me Abuela. So I thought, oh, Afro Puffs, how cute. I'll send this to my granddaughters. And then I started reading and I thought, no, I'll just send this to Kenya. <laughs> I, said to her, I said, listen, you better be glad I started reading that before I said it. I could see them coming to you. Nana, what is this for? <laughs> Yeah, definitely not for the young ones. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's a uh, it's a great book, and I love the pictures. I love the art. Who did the cover art? That is Jesse Hayes out of a company called Anansi Plus Hayes. He is phenomenal. He, you know, you, you know, sometimes you get lucky and you find somebody who gets what the book is from top to bottom. And he, he was that person. Everything about I me, mean, when you see the cover, it's kind of got this distressed, distressed pulp fiction look to it, like one of those old yeah. books you might have gotten at the drugstore spinner. 
Yeah. That's exactly what this book is. It's it's a throwback to those pulp books, but it's it's modern pulp. I like that. I love that beautiful retro cover. It's the kind of thing where it's got that little bit of edge, like somebody else has read it and and somebody else has read it. You know, you can see a few people have, have read it. It's worn a bunch, so you know it's got to be good. So, you know, mm-hmm. you just kind of grab on. And it, somebody's even torn off a piece of the, co- the covers. Like, it's just just all – every sci-fi book lover has got a ton of these books sitting around where they just look like, okay, it's time to retire that book and, and, and give it a, a you know, a, a hero's rest because you cannot <laughs> possibly turn the pages anymore without it falling apart. That's good. I call it, so yes, a hero's rest for a well-loved book. Yes. So let's talk, I want to talk, too, about some of more of the characters in it, because um, they're, they're, it's just such a great crew. Um, there's Yvonne, Neon, Kita, um, and I love these some of these names. Uh, Yvonne DiCarlo Paul? Yes, which... So far, nobody that I know has gotten the joke with that. Or if they have, really? they haven't told me. Yeah, they, oh. if they, they've gotten it, they haven't told me. <laughs> but I, I intentionally named her that because I just, I love Yvonne DiCarlo. And <laughs> as a kid, watching the Munsters was just yeah. like, it, it was a high point of my week sometimes. Yeah, when I saw that, I thought, Yvonne DiCarlo, oh, oh, this is good. This is too good. It's like everything just gets better and better. And, but <laughs> it's, that's see, it I takes see a true groove mistress to get that. <laughs> C'est moi. So uh, false prophet Buford. I mean, I'm just, if I just go, if I were to just flip through the pages and come up with these names, <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God, you just make it. And it's not like it's good. It's just, it's just. You cannot read this book and not be engaged. <laughs> you know, and that that hits on something very important to me as a writer. Is like I, when I'm reading somebody's work, I don't want to be on autopilot. I want to be engaged with it, no matter what it is. So as a writer, I, I extend that same respect to the reader. It's like I don't want you to feel like you can read this and also check your email and also help the kid with the math homework. I want you to be engaged with it and and play with it. So those names factor into that a lot. It's like I, I love a good character name, which probably goes back to my love of Dr. Seuss, how he would just come up with these outlandish names that were both jokes and poetry at the same time. So we've got the you false know, prophet Buford. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> you know, Rafik the Mad Buddha. It's just like <laughs> yeah. Just stuff that rolls off the tongue. Yeah. And then uh, I, I, I was watching a video on YouTube, uh, on your channel, where you're reading an excerpt from this book. Oh, yeah. That was just recently. I was, I was outside in a park. Yeah. And I read a little snippet of it. Yeah. It's good. That's you're reading. I, I love I love reading little bits like that, just throwing them out there. Just uh-huh. Just again, that fun factor. Yeah, that was, uh, and yeah, you looked good, and it was outside, but it wasn't too windy or anything where you couldn't hear you. You sound, you know, you sounded good, but people could hear you. Read. Come on, I think everybody still likes to be read to, with a good reader. They do. That's a that's a special thing, isn't it? Just sitting down and and, and 
almost like, like that beginning of a Black Panther where they had the voiceover with a little kid saying, you know, tell me a story. Everybody wants to sit down sometimes and just say, tell me a story. And then, you know, yeah. you, you put on your most comfortable robe and, and you snuggle in and you, and you just drift on somebody else's words. Like a wonderful type of a luxury, it and it's is. very com- it's a luxury. It's comforting uh, feeling. Now, when you were reading this, it was a section here where um, I think Desiree, the captain, is telling uh, Lafleur, also known as Flower Pot, mm-hmm. <laughs> Keisha um, Lafleur. Keep the floor to watch out for um, uh, somebody coming through. Says if you see, <laughs> if you happen to, but um, let's see, where's my sentence over here? I've got it marked up. If you happen to see a, uh, oh shoot, I'm on the wrong page. Okay, a skinny, uh-huh. anti. Okay, uh, okay. So she says, if flower pot, if you happen to see a skinny. Atlantidian, who looks like he's lost, that'll be Shig Impa. He's our cook for the night. Whatever you thought you knew about barbecue, delete it. <laughs> there is no barbecue until it's been prepared with yuffa wood. And uh, like she's she's like, oh, and if you see any red mounds in the grass with the circle, red mounds with the circle of dead grass, avoid it. Burr ants, tiny but territorial. So, <laughs> at Floor noted. Uh, just you, you bring us into the place. So instead of saying it was a place like this and there was a browns of grass and grass, you, you don't just describe the scenery in a way that makes us like uh huh uh huh uh huh. To me, by telling it that way, it's part of the dialogue and a warning. So it's I thought, oh, I like that. I like that better. He's not giving us all this. And over here, there was a piece of grass. <laughs> you know, it's like you bring it in. You make us, you put us there. And that's, to me, that's the best way to be when you, particularly with a book like this, where there's so much happening, there's so many characters, and a lot of it is just straight up outlandish, that if I were to stop and just describe things in a dry manner, it would, it would lose its momentum so fast. It just plopped down on the ground. So you, so you got you to gotta be the kind of, you are there with the characters. We can do as as a writer. Now I'm I don't write fiction. I write creative nonfiction and some funny stuff. Or at least I think it's funny. I hope you you do too. But um, but I've always heard that one thing that, that that writers are advised to show, not tell. Yeah. Yeah. Here, take that it. one. Yeah, that 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 one is one that every every college student has heard a billion times. Is always show don't tell. It 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 works generally, but some people take that too extreme. And and it, it, successful writing has always got to be a mixture of everything. So sometimes you do show, then sometimes you tell, sometimes you show and tell, and then sometimes you are just like fog grasping for stuff, and the reader's in that same fog with you. So it's all about what are you trying to accomplish in each scene, and what, what's the mood or what's the soul? And I'm, I'm a big one on soul when it comes to writing, you know, you know considering, you know, I grew up with George Clinton and Funk, so soul is a big part of my life. But what's the soul 
of your writing your your or your music or whatever art you're doing what's the soul of it and the soul can change from section to section but it's never going to become something that is alien to itself which probably makes zero sense because I'm I'm not making sense to myself but it's all it's it's about flow so I think what you were what you were getting from that scene was the flow of it that you, you come into it, and there's a little bit of exposition. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're in Atlantis, but you're in Atlantis, and one of you has been there many times. That's Desiree. She's an old hat at it. Keita, this is her first time there. So, you know, Desiree's going to, of course, point out dangers to her, her aunt. You know, sit out, if you, you might want to sit on the grass and think everything is perfect. But there are these tiny little ants in Atlanta that will eat the hell out of you. So mm-hmm. it's all about catching those little particular moments of flow to get to, to grab the entire scene to wrap it together. I hope that made some sense. Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> and uh, not that you know I'm as smart as the classes you talk to, but yes, it made sense to me. And. Uh, but I'd like to talk more about uh, – I'm going to take a break in just just a moment so that we can just get another glass of water or whatever we need and just be about a minute long. But um so excited about your Afro Puffs of the Antenna of the Universe and the book that preceded it, The Brothers Jetstream, Leviathan, and talk when we come back from the message. I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, just creativity and writing, if that's okay with you. That is perfection. All right. Yeah. Just a moment. Okay. All right. And now we have a message from our friend, Sebastian. I mean, the world has gone crazy, right? I mean, this whole pandemic, I I, I don't even know if I'm coming or going anymore. You know what I mean? But the one thing during the pandemic that I found out, right, that was a good thing, was the Madame Paris Salon. I mean, this podcast, right? When you hear her laughing, all you want to do is laugh. When her dog's barking in the background and she's talking to the dog, she's going to an interview, and I'm like, this podcast is the best podcast I've ever heard before. You know what I mean? All right. I don't know if you think it's the best podcast you've ever heard, folks, but I do know that I am the most fortunate, the luckiest, the most blessed podcast hostess and producer to have the fantastic guests that I have. Um, It amazes and delights me daily. And tonight I have on the show the extraordinary Zigzag Claiborne. Zigzag, you were talking about... um, no, one of the videos, actually, I saw a video also on your YouTube channel where you are, um, it's like I think you're talking to a class about creativity. Yeah, that was a, a video, a friend of mine who's a teacher, got a bunch of different science fiction authors together and, and had us record little snippets about creativity. Wow, that's and, nice. It was lovely. I mean, from what he told me, the students really loved it. It's it's rare that kids in school get to see 
you know, the creators of the stuff. They, they get to consume it, but they don't see who's making it. So I, I like doing that. So, and I'm trying to remember exactly what I said in that video, but it, I'm sure it had something to do with the power of the imagination because I'm that that number one with me is 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 activating the imagination in in my readers. And when I see yes, you were talking about mind, using your imagination um, as it could be. Yes, that's so important in life, isn't it? Yes. Now, I think a lot of us forget that, that we get to use our own imagination just just for fun on our own, you know, not as, you know, not as a goal toward anything or selling anything, just, just like back when we were kids and we would read Dr. Seuss, and my favorite Dr. Seuss book is McElligot's Fool, where it's just a kid who's imagining what's on the other end of this dirty little trickle of water, and he's imagining this huge ocean and these weird whales and fish, and I used to spend, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I must have reread that book, but I would spend so much time laying on the floor just thinking about stuff like that, like what is out there, and people would call that being idle, but I think that's being the most engaged you can be with the world when you've got your imagination running with you like that. Well, I think on that on that particular video, um, it says Young Titans, Afrofuturism, October 2019. Also, it was about a year ago, and I'm ex- here. I am expecting you to remember everything you said. But in the subtitle here, it says Rise, Represent, Resist, Create. That's it in a nutshell. That that's what we all need, especially this year. Rise and create. Oh, yeah. Especially represent. That's a huge part of my writing is, is representation. Because, yeah, and this year we've all needed to rely on our imaginations um, more than ever when people get depressed for oh, all yeah. kinds of reasons. Uh, people out of work, uh, people can't see family, people have been sick, people have lost loved ones, uh, health care issues, so many things, and you know, sometimes I feel like if you can, you know, do something, write something, say something, sing something to help somebody else stay, stay buoyed, stay above, uh, keep their head above water or their self above ground. Yes, I, I totally agree. I have a, a saying, despite everything, create. And that, you know, I even have buttons made up for it. I, I will pass them out at cons. And that's my general philosophy, like especially now. It's like you, in creation, creation doesn't necessarily have to be artistic. You can create a quiet moment for yourself. You create a meal. Create, anything is an act of creation if you are actively engaged in it and you are focused on it as that act of creation, you know. Create an indoor garden just with your potted plant. Put little dinosaurs in there. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> Despite what's going on in the world, there is something you can do to tell yourself and the world that you are still here and you are still vital. And to me, that is by creating something. I love that. I'm so glad you said that. I absolutely love that. And, you know, when you, just as you were describing that, I thought about back in, um, was it in April? One day 
on my walk around the neighborhood, uh, when my husband and I were walking the dogs, we noticed that it seemed like every yard somewhere near their mailbox had one of those plastic Easter eggs. And then we get home, and we got one too. And then we open it up, and it's got a little laminated message, um, just something cheerful. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was something cute and something cheerful. And I thought, I don't know who did this, but what a wonderful thing to do. How generous to give everybody a little something special like that, this little Easter egg. And then um, in October, my husband asked me, he says, where'd you get that thing you hung on the tree? You know, it was a little, little bit like um, something that made like little witches uh, striped, you know, tights or legs and some boots. Just that, just that part hanging from a tree. And uh, I know that hasn't got anything to do with, with writing, but it has to do with creativity and somebody sharing something that, again, I don't know who did it, but I just, it just delighted me. Yeah, it's wonderful when those little acts of creativity create connections that we 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 never see the connection. I mean, you know, you don't even know who put those little eggs out there, but mm-hmm. that person created a vital connection with you and for you. And they they might not have had artistic skill at first. You know, create like I said, creativity is not necessarily being an artist, although everybody is an artist in some fashion even if they don't know it. But this person was creating an artistic moment of joy just using little dollar store eggs and a sweet message. They connected themselves to something outside of themselves, and that's what keeps us grounded and happy. And if not happy, at least sane. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Definitely. And I mean, all that so bread intense. that was cooked this year? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what <laughs> you saying? <laughs> Were you making bread? Did you get your uh, sourdough hooch or whatever I, it is? You know, I, I, I enjoyed everybody else's bread vicariously. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pie maker, not a bread maker. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make a note of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, the one thing, too, is that, yeah, we haven't been able to have conventions like we do. And I know you've you've uh, been to lots of cons, like to get out and meet people. Um, what are some of your favorite cons or, or, or gatherings you've been to? And when you meet readers, tell me about, if you don't mind, some of your, your fun moments with them, the things that you enjoy. Well, my favorite, I have two, well, three favorite cons now. Uh, I live in Detroit, so we have a yearly con in January called Confusion. And it's, it's a great sci-fi writers, fandom, I mean, cosplay. It's a mixture of everything, but it's very heavy on writing. So I get to meet all my writers who I've just loved as I was reading and becoming a writer myself. Plus I meet the newer writers and then the fans. And it's just, it, it, it's one of those cons where it never feels like work, despite how tired you are at the end of each day. Because, I mean, I'm exhausted every day of the con. <laughs> but it's one of those where you fall into the hotel bed and you're smiling. Even though your feet yeah. are barking at you, you're smiling. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, <laughs> so I guess by now, you know, people are doing a, a few more 
more virtual things now. And I said that, like as I've mentioned before, you have some things on your uh, your YouTube page. Could you tell people also how to find you on other social media? Um, on Twitter, yeah, I'm at ZZ Claiborne. Facebook, I'm under my own name, Clarence Young, but in parentheses, ZZ Zigzag Claiborne. So I'm pretty easy to find on, online. If you type in Zigzag Claiborne, you'll find me, which is yeah, one of the reasons um, I picked that pin name. Okay. And uh, let's see, you're on uh, Instagram? Yep, Instagram is also ZZ Claiborne. Okay, and uh, yeah, got you tagged in, got you tagged in there in the Instagram. Oh, and I know what you were talking uh, on one of the on that the classroom video. Oh, and by the way, I love the way that you're you're in there. First of all, I love the fact that you look at the camera because so many people don't. <laughs> but of course, you're a professional. Uh, but also, oh no, <laughs> I, in front of a camera, I am I am nothing but a boober. <laughs> An adorable goober, but yeah, you look at the people not like down at the keyboard, like where, where, where are you two are you talking to down there? Um, also, um, I can see behind you, uh, you had sort of an etagere or shelf back there that had um, some models of uh, the Starship Enterprise, and I believe I saw on the top, almost as though it were the the angel at the top of the Christmas tree, it was like a figurine of Lieutenant Uhura. You are exactly correct. Yes, hey. she is. Uh, she's above my head right now. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, because we, I remember um, hearing an interview with Michelle Nichols. You may have heard this as well on Neil deGrasse Tyson's radio show. Yes. Yeah, when she said that she almost quit, she turned in her notice to quit because she wanted to get back to theater work. Yep, and she had that encounter with a very, very famous and, and important person. Extremely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean. Dr. King, extremely I'll, famous and important. I mean, how many of us get the opportunity to, see, to be steered back onto a certain course by some, I mean, Granted, he didn't consider himself, you know, this monumental person who was, and he had no idea that he was this monumental person. But still, just, it's, it's, it's almost like as if, if James Baldwin had come up to me and said, hey, you know, I know you're getting a lot of rejections, but don't give up. Keep going. That's, yeah. You, you can't, you can't, can't wish for something like that to happen in your life. But yet, she did, and I'm so glad she did stay with the show, even though they never did give her all the opportunities she needed. I mean, her character started out as this really badass officer. I mean, she was she was doing everything. And I think they wanted to keep going in that direction. And please stop me, because I will talk about Star Trek for like two hours straight without taking a breath. So yeah, Okay, we're going to have to go back a Star Trek episode, okay? Can we do that? Yes, yeah, definitely. We're going to we book a Star that. Trek episode. Okay, oh, I'm making a note of it now. So much fun. <laughs> okay, I, I'm serious. I am not fibbing. Um, and another thing we have in common that I was thrilled to see. Uh, let me let me bring it up by saying this: a couple of months ago, 
I had a guest here on the show, a uh, musician and actor, Billy Vera. Uh, <laughs> yes. Who played oh, Pinky Carruthers? I am smiling my head off right now. <laughs> I can feel it all the way over here. <laughs> I can feel it all the way into Atlanta, GA. I really can. <laughs> oh, we, we we have to book a Buckaroo Banzai show as well because. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, listen, is... listen. Billy's fun. He'll come back on. And and my best friend Kenya was uh, co-hosting the show with me, or she called in, and because uh, we were teasing and doing the whole, but you know, when it, when the uh, the the roster guy comes and has something, yeah, buddy, everybody needs to see Buckaroo. You know, we were playing with him on the line. He was so so <laughs> easy. He was so much fun to work on. So if we do a Buckaroo bonsai, okay, you'll have to co-host that with me. Well, you don't have to. Okay, I was going to say, I can't make you do it. That's rather rude. But um, You know, I consider it my life's mission right now to do that. You know, I've got a black, I don't know if it's really satin. It's probably some kind of a cheap polyester. But I've got a black, like those baseball-style jackets of Buckaroo Banzai thing on the back. Oh, I'm so jealous. And the Buckaroo Banzai headband that I got when the movie first came out at the Atlanta, it was the Atlanta Science Fiction and Fantasy Festival. They showed it to us. And, um, yeah, what a great movie. I love that movie. Matter of fact, funny story, but true story. Buckaroo Banzai himself has a copy of the Brothers Jetstream. Peter Weller Peter came to Weller? Detroit to do a talk. Peter Weller, he came to Detroit to do a talk on art because he is now a professor of art. I mean, he he, he literally is Buckaroo Banzai. He, he's a jazz musician, professor. He, done, he So he did this talk, and I took a copy of the book there thinking I can get him to sign it for me. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. it was just it was me because mm. the Brothers Jetstream and Afro Clubs are they, – they are – kind of homages to Buckaroo Banzai, to that, that, that wild, brilliant energy that that movie had. So It's got that, that feeling of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Yeah. Mm. So Peter Weller, in the receiving line, I, 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 I'm gushing, and then I say, would you mind signing this book? With, you know, you were a huge inspiration in this. And he looks at me and, and smiles and says, hey, why don't you sign it over to me then? And, of course, I'm standing there, my eyes get big, I'm like, holy moly, and I do. I, 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 I sign it to him and give it to him, and he's like, thank you, we take pictures. And So Buckaroo Banzai has a copy of the Brothers Jetstream. So how, oh. you know, how's that for coming around 360? How sweet it is. Oh, baby. That, oh. Is, that, that was, yeah, that, that was icing on top of cake on top of pie right there. Oh, 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 okay. I'm just going to have to sit back here like a southern lady and fan myself, okay? (laughs) 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 I can't. That is fantastic. Oh, my gosh. I think I – did you even sleep that night? Did you even have to drive home? That's how – I mean, I would be like just – I would just be like buzzing home. I I think I just kind of like – disintegrated like the Star Trek transporter. And one moment I was in front of there with him, and next I'm home. And it was, 
yeah, it was definitely surreal. It's one of those where I would never have thought in a million years that I would have crossed paths with him. And yet here he was right there in my hometown. And, and you know what? Just hearing that story and then hearing like the, how you describe the same thing, like you feel like you're just transported, like you were just beamed home. You may not remember driving or, or being or anything. And I thought, you know, okay, zigzag. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a crabbity old bat, but that even makes me feel emotional. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful, and oh. yeah, I yeah I'm, I'm I will I will actually send you the picture when we're done, so you oh, can see do. just how big I'm I'm cheesing in this photo. And I'm not a I don't generally smile a lot, but <laughs> I I I was full on. SpongeBob in this photo. Oh. Oh wow. Okay, that is the oh. Yeah. If <sighs> I never sell another book in my entire life, I can consider <laughs> myself I'm done. I'm that neat. That's it right there. Okay, so we've got we've got two special event shows, folks. You heard it here. If you've got any ideas, or you want to be, you want to pay attention to my page to uh, ZigZag's social media so that you'll know when it's happening. And I guess we're going to have to go all out on this. Um, this oh, yeah, is magnificent. This will, it will be epic. Buckaroo Banzai. And for anybody who hasn't watched Buckaroo Banzai yet, run out and find it. You will thank us. Yes, you will. You will. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I've got the comic book too. Do you have the comic book? I have the second issue. I don't have the first, oh. which bums me out no end. But yeah, you're right. He's he's like he's like the he's he is a musician and all this stuff and and uh, yeah. So Billy Vera, man, I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known you then. <laughs> I would have had you on there too. Um, but we, I'm sure amazing. we can get Billy back. He's a sweetheart. Uh, I, I'm wow. there. I am there. <laughs> this is so cool. You know, I think that there were other things I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to say, would you give your description of Afrofuturism? Um, well, we got just a few minutes left. Oh, sure. That I can do that in a couple of seconds. It is, okay. well, it is fiction from the black perspective or from a diasporic perspective that generally is inward looking as opposed to most of the, the Western sci-fi is outward looking. It, it's Star Trek. It's going out to find yourself, to meet the alien, as opposed to Afrofuturism. It's generally, you know, the more there, are, there is no other, there's no alien in the same sense. Mm-hmm. And, the adventures are much more intimate as far as it, it's, not, it's not always going to be going out to, to, you know, save the galaxy. A lot of the times it's, you know, person X is going to a new planet. How does that actually affect them or something like that? It's always about what is the effect on the person, but less what is the event the person is going through. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the base level explanation of Afrofuturism. It's more inward looking, and it's also a lot less concerned with following the tropes 
of science fiction, which we know there, there are there are camps out there that say it's not sci-fi if you're not following the tropes and the beats to a T. Mm-hmm. And Afrofuturism says, no, oh, it's me. It's like it's like jazz and like funk. You can you can stay on the on the beat, but you can also mm-hmm. slow the beat down and be just a little bit behind it to create an entirely different effect. Mm-hmm. So there's a and lot of that going on in my work. Yeah, and sometimes you got to bring out the clave mm-hmm. <laughs> and work yes. it as you wish. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you even you'll, you'll break out some cowbell on people as need be. <laughs> so, yes, indeed. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I know that seems like sort of a, a non sequitur out there, but it's just that I had things listed and then we got into the talking about whatever. Zigzag Claiborne, Afro Puffs are the Antenna of the Universe. Fantastic book, brand new. Everybody should buy it. Also, if you are listening to this, like some people do when they're driving, um, like shout out to my girl Becca at the eye doctor's office because she says she listens when she's on the long drive, or uh, my friends Mike and Ann do that, and also people when they're running. Um, you don't have time to write down this. I will be sharing on all of my social media how you can find Zigzag Claiborne's book. Also, before that, was the book, uh, The Brothers Jetstream, Leviathan. You know, I, I, I like the title, but I don't because I keep wanting to say Johnson. But uh, <laughs> The Brothers Jetstream. Yeah. <laughs> and let's see. Yeah, my bad used to do. I'll be good to you. Um, and then you have a lot, a lot more than that. But I've got some pictures of your other books I've put up in the little slideshow on Instagram. You're such a gifted man and so much fun and so you're so generous with the information, with the stories, what you give us to entertain us. I am so grateful that you took that you made so much time to come and uh share with me and my listeners and so generous. I really do appreciate that. Thank you so very much. Oh, thank you so much. I am Beyond pleased to have had this time in the genie's bottle. This has been great. Thank you. Well, let me tell you, you got a big cushy pillow here to sit on any time you want. And I'll tell you what else. We will get to work on those specials, the Star Trek and the uh, Buckaroo Bonsai. So, um, so if you were just kidding because you thought, you know, it, it made me laugh on the oh, show, no. then you better I change your number. Serious. I'm ready. <laughs> Okay, because you'll you'll have to change your phone number or something, or uh, yeah, change. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know you've got one alias. You can come up with a few more, I'm sure. Okay, well, uh, this is where I tell everybody that um, be good to yourself, be good to each other. Get the books by Zigzag Claiborne. Believe me, you will thank me over and over. Um, And also other books like by All Our Violent Guides. Uh, neon lights uh also he's he's got stories and essays that have been in apex galaxy's edge gigo <laughs> giga notosaurus strange horizons other genre venues um yeah and so i'm also going to close with my mantra for life in my song everybody's got to swing zigzag claiborne I think you're fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. Well, we were the 
vibe. 